Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Corey's Diggs. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And today is Tuesday, May 17th in the year 2022. Tonight, we're going to have an amazing interview with Corey's Diggs, one of the of a person who I believe is one of the best researchers in our time, an amazing patriot who spends hours digging in and really building tremendous research and then great articles. If you don't follow Corey's digs, I highly recommend that you do. And tonight we're going to look at a couple of her recent articles. Before we begin, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. The health, this overall war is a war on our health and our mind well-being and there's no better way to get great sleep than with products that give you that. And that some of those best products are from MyPillow.com. And right now there are amazing deals going on. Let's hear from Mike Lindell. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell. And as you know, my passion is to help each and every one of you get the best sleep of your life. That's why I created my new Giza Dreams bed sheets. I started by using the world's best cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. I guarantee you they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. I do not like my sheets. I love Mikey's a Dream Sheets. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you can buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece towel sets. Buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or you can get my classic premium my pillow and get another one absolutely free. So call the number on your screen or go to MyPillow.com. Use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers and get deep discounts on all my pillow products. Can you believe how much he's done for this nation selling pillows? This is awesome. And there's so many other great things going on in my pillow right now. They have a huge slipper sale going on. You save $90 when you buy a pair of slippers right now. Sale is $49.95 with a promo code. And of course, your promo code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. And with each purchase with your promo code, you're also going to get a copy of Mike Lindell's book, What Are the Odds?, which tells his story from addict to one of America's great CEOs. So head on over to mypillow.com forward slash bards. Your promo code is bards. You can use that promo code anywhere on the MyPillow site, the MyStore site, and the frankspeech.com site. Tremendous savings, and the buy one, get one free leads all of those sales right now. Some of the best times ever right now to buy your pillow needs and get a great night's sleep. And if you want to speak to a real person, you can call a Patriot Pillow Counselor at 800 975 800-975-2939. Again, use your promo code BARDS and they will get you all hooked up. So there you go, Patriots. The best way to sleep is my pillow. Your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. So Patriots, there's a lot obviously going on in the world of crazy. We know that and it continues to unwind. They, uh, we have one 
guy by the name of Cameron Perry. He's the CEO of Tally Money. He's now paying his employees in gold. That should tell you the confidence he has in the paper dollar. There's a uh, amazing, a really insightful post put out today uh, from the Zero Hedge uh, Twitter account, and this comes out of what's going on with Twitter. Twitter's choice, he writes, Adam, uh, admit Musk, Elon Musk, meaning is right and is it has a huge fake user base opening up existing management to countless shareholder lawsuits or kill the deal and be sued for record shareholder value destruction. Twitter is down to $36. There's so many hedge funds that have been investing in that, putting people's money in there and absolutely abusing it. The thing to understand about Twitter is Twitter's greatest value was never for the shareholders. And I, if you are one of those that's invested in tech and been investing in Facebook and Twitter for your retirement, I got news for you. The only real investment in that has been the intelligence agencies in the Western world to monitor people and influence them in one of the biggest PSYOP scams in the history of humankind. And don't think for a second that they won't ruin this stock to protect their little secret. So as we roll into tonight's interview, we're going to be talking a lot about food and the coming food, quote, revolution with this new bioengineered garbage. Keep in mind that there is a food crisis looming right now. Um, If you don't follow Ice Age Farmer on Telegram and other places, that's a fantastic account and a lot of current events going on with the food issue. Right now, it was posted tonight, drought in the U.S. plains continues to crimp the production outlook for winter wheat, while spring wheat seeding in the northern plains still lags due to excessive moisture. They haven't even been able to get the wheat in the ground because there's been so much moisture. I have, I myself, I've kind of told you this, I've been trying to get wheat in stock. I finally found some the other day, but it was up in Washington and I I ordered six times whatever 25 pounds are. So that's 150 pounds of wheat. But I'm telling you, it's hard to get at the local place where we usually buy bulk. They weren't able to get any wheat at all. In another note here, as Iran, if you haven't been paying attention to Iran, they're in food riots right now and other things. But now to control this, they're rolling out the digital food rationing system. So now think back to what just happened last weekend with the false flag shootings over here we had going on at the supermarket. Don't think that they won't use this as an excuse, as they've already said, to put a security officer on every aisle in anticipation of food shortages to control and monitor who's buying and to ensure that you're using your proper digital ID when you purchase things. There's a lot going on in the food piece. And the the critical issue here is always is you control the food, you control the people. So make sure you're stocking up, make sure you're growing a garden, make sure you're stocking up on seeds. With all that said, Let's have a great interview tonight with Corey's Diggs. Again, one of the best researchers we have are in our Patriot movement, and bigger than that because her work is just, it just stands on its own. So let me introduce to you Corey from Corey's Diggs. Well, Patriots, I'm really honored again to have Corey's Diggs on. Uh, Corey is one of, as I've said before, is probably one of the best researchers of our time. She produces an amazing volume of material and extremely well-sourced and researched, and she just keeps that 
total focus on what great investigative journalism should be and sh- and is with her. Today we're going to talk about a whole range of topics and and uh, including some great work that Corey has just done on vertical agriculture and the emerging new space of controlled genetically modified agriculture. But before we begin, welcome to the show, Corey. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for having me back on. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Hey, before we start today, you've just had a book published, no? I did. Uh, it's on the it's the global landscape on vaccine ID passports, and it was a four part report that I had done that we put into a book, and then added in a fifth chapter on 22 ways to stop the vaccine ID passports. So, it you know it gets into uh, where it's all headed, who the players are, following the money trail and the timeline, and uh, the biggest players in this whole digital identity scheme moving to the blockchain and the, and the digital currency and all that good stuff. Augmented humans, as we know, that's that's approaching soon. So let's dig into one of your recent reports. Um, and I've talked about it on the show and it's called New Controlled Food System is now in place and they will stop at nothing to accelerate their control. This was real eye-opening, and you did some amazing digging here on who's behind this. Why don't you just kind of give us a framework, and then we'll dig into it. Okay, so so I've covered uh, I've covered kind of you know the synthetic meat industry in the past, and the organic industry, food industry, and GMOs, and where that that was heading. But I've been you know, and of course we've been all been paying attention to what's going on with the the fertilizer and the supply chains and all this manufactured nonsense to uh, disrupt everything in our economy and our lives. And one of the areas I've been uh, trying to hone in on was the produce sector, because I could see that they've, they've long been going for the cattle ranchers and, you know, limiting the farmers and everything. But with buying up 242,000 acres of farmland by Bill Gates. I'm like, what is he going to do with this? So at any rate, I start digging into these indoor vertical farming facilities and I start looking at who's investing in them and how their operations run and what grocery stores they're already working with. And it just rapidly turned into, you know, aha, so this is how they're going to do this. And they want to replace traditional farming with these indoor controlled facilities that, of course, include incorporate their robotics and their smart sensors. And uh, they're bringing uh, gene editing into all of it. And it's really, really concerning. Um, it was uh, so, so in 2020, it was valued. It was a $5.5 billion industry. And now it's projected to reach uh, 19.86 billion by 2026. And you've got a lot of the companies. So what I did is I broke down kind of the, some of the top dogs in this and many of them just, you know, kind of started emerging in 20, between 2014 and 2016. But Aero Farms is the, has the biggest vertical farm facility in the world right now. And they've been around since 2004. And they were actually the ones who co-developed the first CRISPR-Cas9 gene-edited produce product. And they also worked with um, 
on an NIH trial for producing proteins for the COVID jab. So, so many of these, these uh, companies are private, but there are a handful that are public. And of course, the ones that are public, you've got your top shareholders in there as Vanguard and BlackRock. And of course, you've got Bill Gates and Bezos and all of them investing in these. So it's, it's very concerning to me because when you take everything else we know about how they're moving everything into this massive scale surveillance system and how they want to control our access and spending and universal basic income and universal health care, and you look at this and you go, wow, so, so they want to remove traditional farming and they're doing a great job at chopping away at that. And they want to control these facilities that um, ultimately have contracts with these grocery stores. And that's a great way to knock out the farmers too. Um, and, and they're using the, the traceable systems, right? Because they want to trace for literally from seed to plate in your home. And so what happens when they do finally get the digital ID in place for everyone, because they're coming at that from 20 different angles. And now if you're not an obedient little slave, you don't have access to the grocery store or you're, you know, you don't have access to your bank account. So it's very concerning seeing who's behind all of this. And it's, it's not to say that vertical indoor farming or hydroponics is necessarily a bad thing, though I would probably argue lack of soil and sun, you know, doing this through the uh, solution-based water with LED lights. Um, I haven't dug into that enough to say either way. I'm just going to say that it probably is not as nutritious. And now you throw in gene editing to that and and that's no good. And then you got Bayer and Monsanto involved in the seeds with this. So it's, it's a little alarming. I've gone through the article pretty extensively, and I don't really see anything good out of this. One thing that jumps at me right away when I went through it is that they're growing lettuce and greens. They make a comment somewhere in there, and it may have been the video that was in there that you, you uh, embedded in the article, mm-hmm. which was about the hard reset, which is something else we'll come back to. But in that video, they mentioned how they weren't able yet to grow grains. So that what that's telling me is the future diet they're planning on are greens, primarily, maybe some tomatoes, and you know, grown protein of some fashion. Does that match up? The synthetic meats, um, which the FDA and USDA have already approved. They're just working out the details for the labeling. So... Um, I, I don't, I don't know as far as the grains go that you said grains, right? G-R-A-I-N-S. Yes. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still looking into all that. We know Cargill, you know, is one of the top dogs there. Um, I, I, I don't know as far as, you know, an indoor facility for something like that. So, so I'm still looking into that end of it, but yeah, it's, uh, and it's a little concerning too that you've got, you know, the, the University of California developing the plant-based mRNA vaccine in the hopes that they can have edible vaccines, which is something they've been working on for a very long time. And I think, in fact, they started uh, with the trials on potatoes many years ago. So 
that's that's concerning as well. There's a lot of concerning aspects to this. The mm -hmm. idea of consolidating food into warehouses, which is showing that they're, again, they're trying to migrate everybody into the cities. That's the Agenda 2030 yep. model. And to mm -hmm. try to get everybody consolidated within the walls of the city. And this is just yet another example of moving that to the end. And then, like you said, just doing everything indoors, which even when in the reference to your light comment, the idea that they can change the frequency of light to enhance the color or flavor in something. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about nutrition again. We're, we're talking about customer appeal, which is a huge difference. And especially since people tend to be well geared in this culture towards liking things sweet. Right. You can just imagine what this is going to look like. Right. Yeah, and there's already 100 uh, labs in California working on all these wonderful gene-edited produce. So it's, it is it is a huge industry. And just so people understand, I mean, these are already in. And like you said, Scott, they're going for the metropolitan areas. So, so like uh, Bowery Farming, uh, they are building a facility in Arlington, Texas, just outside of Dallas that's going to be able to serve 16 million people in a 200 mile radius. So <laughs> put that in perspective, you know, and then you've got major, major grocery stores that are already selling this and people don't even know. Now I can't say whether what they're selling right now currently in the grocery stores is already gene edited or not. Uh, but, and, and let me just explain. So the difference, because, so GMO, genetically modified, is inserting foreign DNA into something, whereas gene edited is they, they hone in on a single nucleotide and they splice it out, which causes the produce to mutate, which produce does naturally on its own over the years, but this is forcing it to. So they have to keep testing it, and they apparently test this on mice, and to make sure that you know, because just because it's food doesn't mean, oh, it's going to be safe if you go and, and edit it or modify it at all. Uh, but our wonderful government has decided that they deem GMOs very different than gene edited, that gene edited is, you know, so, so there's very laxed regulations on this because they see it differently. So whether, but then you got people like Bayer Monsanto that are, providing seeds to these vertical farms. So so we know there's already GMO in here. And I just don't know to the degree of the, the gene editing part that's also in here as of today, but their produce from many of these uh, facilities that I cover in this report, they're already selling their produce at Walmart's, Kroger's, Safeways, Myers, Whole Foods, Amazon Fresh, you know, in restaurants, online grocers, even food distributors like Cisco. So I actually, uh, before we jumped on here, was talking with a friend who owns a catering business. And he said, it's a freaking nightmare right now that, that trying to get, you know, there's so many shortages in on different types of things. And when it comes to unique packaging, such as cream cheese in, you know, the little, I don't even know what size they are, little one ounces, you know, the little minis or stuff like that. That's more unique for restaurants, bank, banquets and catering. They can't get any of that stuff anymore. 
So <clears throat> they're on. They're doing a good job of of targeting every level of the food industry in this. Well, they're doing an exceptional job of selling this nightmare mm-hmm. to a youth that has essentially bought into the idea that it's good to own nothing, it's good to rent everything, and it's good to have a UBI because all of this translates to an easier life and, and not translating to the fact that None of that ever equates that way. Right. This is a complete trap for everybody. It is. And they've also, you know, so I was just covering this last week in my podcast. You look at some of the other agendas they're rolling out, like the guaranteed basic income, where they're giving people these cards with $500 to $1,000 on them per month to spend as they would like. And then they're tracking the spending. And we know what that's all about. And they want to make this a federal policy because they want universal income and universal health care. And, and, and the who plays into uh, all of this as well with everything going on right now with the goodness, the IHR amendments and the treat, pandemic treaty. And one of the things that not many people seem to be talking about is it's not just the healthcare industry. So I started cross-referencing their budget and then looking into, and I don't have this in the report because I did this after the fact, but uh, looking into, they keep referencing in this budget, right? And it's a 2022 to 2030 budget. And we know they want to, we want to, they want to put them in charge, which I personally believe is completely illegal and they have no authority to do any of this, but I haven't dug into that enough, so I don't know if that's fact. So when you look at their budget, it is chock full of the word food. It is very, they very much incorporate that. And it's like I've been saying for a few years, they're going to pull off some foodborne disease. Uh, They're doing it under the guise of the antimicrobial resistance. So we have to make sure our food is safe and secure. And then what they're using is the Codex Alimentarius for the food standards and regulations that they uh, put out to all the member states and they just follow along even though none of this is really based in law. And so they want to implement that uh, through the WHO's, what do they call it? The WHO Wide Food Program. They have this whole program design. It's like 56 pages long. And I start reading through it and it's, it's, if, can I just read like this one section from it? Cause this is pretty substantial. Uh, oh yeah, please. Okay. So uh, I'll skip, let's see, I'll skip through this one, but so they have a section called uh, society changing expectations and behavior around food. And they, and they basically sum that up Um with, with shifting the consumer preferences and, you know, more proteins in, in foods, pro, alternative protein sources and how they have to protect their narrative. And then they get into the rise of new technologies and digital transformation. And they say, the pace of innovation in food and agriculture is increasing, bringing significant economic advantages to food production and benefits to consumers through increased product choice and a reduction in food waste. 
novel plant and animal breeding methods involving genetic editing offer the potential for developing species with new traits, such as disease resistance and drought tolerance. Nanotechnology applications in the food sector can lead to improvements in nutrients, bioactive delivery systems, and novel food packaging materials, which can extend the shelf life of foods. Alternative food proteins, such as meat, egg, fishery, or dairy products that are plant-based, cultivated, or fermentation-derived, and other new food sources, including food product reformulation, can improve consumer options and sustainability. However, new technologies for food production must be fully assessed from a public health point of view before products are placed on the market. In this regard, the Codex Alimentarius will play a key role in addressing the emerging and critical issues related to the usage of new technologies in a timely manner. Some new technologies require considerable investment in research and development and may be out of reach of the lower income countries, which would create an equity gap in innovation and ability to detect hazards. So, you know, of course we have to bring in the digital innovation and uh, transformation in the context of big data and analytics, artificial intelligence and the internet of things are trends that are rapidly changing food systems. For example, Genomics and related tools such as whole genome or next generation sequencing and international sharing of data relevant to foodborne disease enable more precise focused investigations, including pathogen detection, characterization, identification, and source tracking. And the USDA is already well on board with this. They have their whole Codex Alimentarius strategy from 2019 through 2023 that says they're going to help to get, make sure every other member state gets on board with this. So when we're talking about this agreement that they're voting on in a week or two and these amendments and how they want to start pushing who to be in charge of healthcare related, food falls underneath that. This is a quote from Henry Kissinger. Who controls the food supply controls the people. Who controls the energy can control the whole continents. Who controls money can control the world. Yeah. And they've pretty much brought it all together in this big plan. And it is interesting to watch. It will be interesting to see how people embrace this, these moves towards the who. Mm -hmm. There is a fantastic case, and it's Marbury, M-A-R-B-U-R-Y versus Madison, M-A-D-I-S-O-N, it was done in 1803. It's in the National Archives. And the decisions in the Supreme Court case established the right of the courts to determine the constitutionality of the actions of the other two branches of government. What's interesting is that one section in there reads very clearly, it is impossible for a law which violates the Constitution to be valid. Mm -hmm. All the laws which are repugnant to the Constitution are null and void. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, what we're going to deal with here is we're going to deal with a situation where the people are going to have to make the decision of whether they want to do this or not. So. Exactly. And and they're going to come out, you know, just just guns blazing, just like the CDC and all of them did with their uh, authority of you got to wear masks and you need to lock down and you need to this and you need to that. And everyone just starts being obedient when they're not allowed to do this. It's, it's, it's crazy. So that's, that's what, why it's so important to get this information out to as many people as possible. So they understand what is really going on here and um, that they should not be following along with any of the scrap that comes out. And, 
you know, it's tricky though, Scott, like how do we, as far as what they're doing to the farmers and the ranchers and, you know, withholding water and withholding fertilizer and, and wanting to put RFID tags on cattle and they want to trace all food. And, and now we have, you know, these mass scale indoor vertical facilities with gene edited food coming into play. Um, it, it's one thing for us to all not comply and say, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna get a digital ID. We're not going to wear a mask. We're not gonna shut our businesses down. We're not gonna, you know, follow along with any of this crap you're throwing at us. But then there's other areas like this. We go, well, how do we, you know, how do we fight this part of it? Um, and, you know, Pete Kennedy did a great uh, article that I republished on my site. He wrote it for the Solari report on uh, finding sources of fresh food. And there's some fantastic resources in here on websites to locate regenerative farms, uh, listings by certification organizations. uh, And then you list a bunch of other uh, more local connections. And I included some helpful resources in there as well. But again, this is all sort of, it's, it's shifting on one hand, it's, it's shifting, you know, where we're purchasing our food from. And, and of course, some people now are starting to grow their own food to some degree, uh, or working together in small communities, but this is, this is a tough one to, it's a tough one to, uh, combat. It it definitely is. The awareness is kind of the key of this, but there is a, a, a real difficulty when, obviously when information by design is controlled mm-hmm. and then you have a essentially an illiterate mass of people out here that have that believe that they know something but in fact have no desire to know something at all there is an right. amazing piece i i played uh in a previous show which was just the found the concept of science and it's one of the it's a field researcher that talks about how when students come to him from universities they don't want to see what's in the real world. They want to know if it's been validated by an, an academically juried paper. Mm-hmm. That's all. And he just he just says very bluntly, he says people go to college and they return stupid. Mm-hmm. And and that's literally the challenge we have because the cognitive ability and the desire to question has been so heavily cut out of society. Right. You have a in your following, you get a pretty good base, and I I, I pay attention to the comments always. Yeah. And you have some very engaged readers because they, they leave large comments, which is a real compliment to your base. Are you, do you continue to see that grow? Yeah. Yeah. And some people leave fantastic resources in there too, which I super appreciate, you know, as many resources, suggestions, and ideas as we can all pull together, the better. I fully agree. So when we look at this expanding farm issue or the, the corporate controlled under roof agriculture and this nightmare, there's no question in my mind that there's a, everything is being owned because if you're getting BlackRock and Vanguard and Monsanto and Bayer all involved, they're going to want to control every aspect of that production from the seed all the way to um, any sort of modifications, the patents, the, the, and probably put it under intellectual property. So they don't even have to patent it. Right. Well, they're, they're keeping things. Go ahead. No, that just brings up a whole really good point. So on, cause I did cover a bit about the seed monopoly that's taking place. And this concerns me as well because of what 
Gates and Rockefellers pulled over in Africa. Um, and, and, you know, it's really important that people pay attention to what moves are happening in other countries, like the bill that uh, I, I don't know if it was just passed or if it was introduced over in Australia. Did you hear about that one where people are no longer allowed to grow their own food? It's insane. Yes. It's, it's, yeah, it hasn't passed, but yeah, okay. but it's been proposed. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So with the seed monopoly, um, so there's a group. <laughs> we have the consultative group of international agriculture research, which holds the world's largest private seed banks consisting of 10% of the worldwide germplasm across the globe, which is controlled by the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation, Rockefeller and Ford foundations and the world bank. Okay. So then on top of that, we've got, um, Oh, let's see. I'm looking through my notes here. Um, in August 2020, Monsanto Bayer and Singapore's uh, sovereign fund, Temasek, launched a $30 million startup called Unfold, which develops new vegetable seed varieties tailored to vertical farms that are gene edited. So they intend to do gene edited seeds. And they've got, you can imagine the seed bank they have already, right? So then we've got, like I said earlier, we already have over 100 companies in Sacramento working on seed development. Now, in Africa, what AGRA did, the Alliance for a Green Revolution in Africa, which is led by Bill Gates and funded by the Rockefellers, they, of course, participated in 72 agricultural policy reforms in 11 African countries, and it all pertained to seed fertilizer and market access. So they created laws to protect intellectual property rights for certified seeds while creating penalties for open source seed sharing. So I start poking around in the federal register and trying to see if there's anything going on, um, like the beginning stages of that happening over here. And I found on March 17th, 2022, there was a notice published that surely nobody saw <laughs> to the uh, US federal register seeking comments by May 16th uh, on competition and intellectual property system of seeds and other agricultural inputs. And we know that they just, they're going through the motions, you know, they're making it look like they're concerned about competition and they're just protecting the farmers and yada, yada. When really all it is is formalities that they're going through to give this false impression so that they can scoop in and say, okay, well, we've decided we're going to, we're now going to make these intellectual property rights and start working towards no more uh, open source seed sharing. I mean, I, I could see this going in that direction. Absolutely. And this is where, you know, there's a number of aspects to this, I think, that are pretty important. One is, as we've already been touching on, this generation that's buying into this UBI and quite frankly, what I call the free shit society. Yeah. And, and, and they're literally buying into that as they go for convenience, mm -hmm. they're not being part of a revolution to preserve seeds and to grow so that, that they're already becoming dependent on a system. Right. And then you have the regulations, like you're saying, which people don't really know their laws at all. Mm -hmm. So they don't understand that, you know, regulations don't, are not laws. There's a really, uh, Mark Baker of Baker's Green Acres has had an amazing victory over his fight to maintain his diversity in a small farm based on challenging it through the fifth amendment, which was an amazing 
angle because these are they're using regulations, not laws, to to prevent him, and he's won. So, again, trying to spread the knowledge for people to understand that constitutionality is the principle here, but these people are not, unless you know the Constitution, they're not going to acknowledge it. Right. And then you have the, just the continuing control and grabbing of all of these genetic bases to try to migrate people in a consumer way away from the farmer, which you've touched on, which is, again, to try to get people to be accepting of the grocery store product. They're going to call it fresh. They're going to call it organic. They're going to call it a bunch of things. Mm -hmm. But it's all based on these genetically modified foods. And in the U.S., to my knowledge, they don't have to tag food as GMO, right? You know, I would have to go back and look through that. Um, I did write about four years ago, I wrote a report that covered part of that. And I'm, I'm trying to remember now, I know there was a big thing over like a whole back and forth thing over the GMO labeling at one point. Um, I'm good. I'm real curious to see how they're going to come, come out with the synthetic meat labeling that they are working on right now. I can only imagine. And that's what I mean. So people could be shopping in a Kroger right now, buying this produce. And, you know, most of us, myself included, I'm looking, well, this looks yummy and I'm looking at the expiration date. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I should be paying attention to the brand. Some of them obviously I'm familiar with, but they could be get rolling in new brands and we're not familiar with it. And we're just, we're so trusting, you know? Yeah. that That's a big one. And, and part of it is just, there's so much coming at people at once. And I do have some empathy for that, that this is, yeah. they've launched this fight very strategically to overwhelm people. People are looking at Ukraine while we have the insurgency of food going on right before us. Right. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Everyone is worn down. They, they, their whole goal was to just break people, divide people and wear people down so they can re-educate them, come in and save the day and say, we have all the answers for you. In fact, I'm, I'm working on a article right now that I'm going to be publishing this week on uh, where I, I cover the 17 goals, you know, which is a joke, which is a crock of uh, the sustainable development goals. And which, which, as you know, every foundation, organization, and government includes across their websites and every single agenda, it has to do with these 17 goals. And so then what I did is I incorporated all my major agenda reports against humanity and corresponded those to the actual goals. So you can see these are the goals they're claiming them, you know, that they're working towards, and this is what they're actually doing because they've got people so snowed on all of this. It's just, it's mind boggling. I'm noticing on your, the article you sent me just a little bit ago, which is actually just published on May 9th, finding sources of fresh food. Great article. Uh, And you're going through that. I, I really like your more local connections piece because you're getting into some areas that are really passionate for me, um, edible communities and intentional communities, community supported agriculture. Those top three I talk about regularly on the show as part of the county by county model and then also farmers markets and farm stores. One of the critical issues there, which Mm -hmm. um, Catherine Austin Fitz talks about is obviously the money part of that. Have you overlaid her research with kind of adaptable crypto to keeping local 
alive and well? Have you done any of that work yet? When you say adaptable crypto, what do you mean? Well, what she's advocating for is that when I say adaptable, it's kind of a morphing crypto. She's like, we have to use a localized crypto and we have to keep moving with it because they're going to find ways of hacking it and breaking it. Mm. So she's looking at this amorphous model where for for the term anyway, while we're trying to get to cash and hard currencies, maintaining that there's this other aspect where there's a crypto for trade that can be available, but it's going to have to be a locally based crypto. That's in, and I may be butchering her details, but that's essentially it in a, in a nutshell. I'll have to actually talk with her about that because I know that, um, she in general hasn't been super keen on cryptos, but maybe on a localized basis, you know, taking a different approach to it. Um, I, I'm not a crypto person. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty much against yeah, crypto. So myself too. <laughs> because I, I really think we have to maintain hard cash and currencies, even if it's a local script. Oh, I use cash on everything. Everything. I just, I, you know, it's, doesn't it feel good when you go in places and you don't enter in your phone number to get the $2 off the products you're buying oh, yeah. and you're just handing them cash. And aside from maybe the cameras in the store, you feel like you're not being tracked on what you just bought. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but all these little things that we do add up and we got to get their surveillance system is, is off the hook. And it's, yeah, I think what's amazing to me is the, kind of neurotic obsession that people have in building more surveillance. That's the part that Uh stuns me. I was looking at a piece yesterday with a, a, an engineer talking about this great new invention that they came up with. What's that invention? It's an algorithm and literally doing monitoring people's behavior in dwell times and their physical reactions. And the example he was giving is himself and another engineer that were standing in the candy department of a particular store and what, and then going through all of the information that they could garnish from just two guys standing, looking at candy. Uh And it's just, and the whole idea of like, well, look how good this is because we're going to be able to give this to to retailers and help them improve this. And it's like, Uh. tell me one aspect of that. That's good. Uh, you know, just, just one. I stopped, I mean, not that I would, I don't even go into Walmart. I, and I was never a Walmart shopper, but I won't even go into Walmart now because they started with their facial recognition stuff all over that store. And not only did they start it, they were putting it up for everyone to see like it was a good idea. Do they really see, I don't go to Walmart. So I didn't, I didn't know that. I know that they are heavily rolling out everything they possibly can with biometrics and uh, fingerprinting and all of that. Uh, this, it's all part of the digital ID system there. It is, it's really mind blowing when you stop and think I've often wanted to just type up a whole list of all the ways we are monitored. It's, I mean, unless you live way out in the boonies, um, and you don't have a cell phone on you and you have no tech on you at all. And even then we've got satellite, you know? It's it's pretty much crazy the what we were accepting, and I, I think that this is the, going to be the one of the biggest questions for all of us in this time is what are we willing to accept as a way of life? Sadly, we go back to this bifurcation, which is there is a group of people that want to be controlled, monitored. They see no problem with it. Right. They see that the cost of that outweighs the rewards of getting everything free and easy. 
Well, and, and the convenience and the tech and, you know, smartphones are one of the biggest weapons in, in our, of our age. It's, it's terrible. And kids these days are literally glued to them 24 seven. And the, the tools, you know, the tools that these monsters have, the ability they have through technology to mind control and influence behaviors is, is scary stuff. And I was telling you before we started, I haven't had an opportunity to listen to the whole thing yet, but Whitney Webb did a podcast on neural rights, which is a whole thing that's coming about now with, uh, you know, brain technology. And you remember the brain initiative Obama put in place. And so we're talking not just external, but internal in the brain, um, all kinds of fun things where they're, and, and, and Chile is where they're working on legislation, like the first country in the world that's working on legislation on this, on what type of rights there will be. And like I said, I haven't had time to dig into that myself. I have covered aspects of it throughout my reports, but the whole, whole neural rights legislation is, is really quite interesting because in uh, on one foundation site I was reviewing, they're talking about, you know, the right of free will. And so this is, this is going to get, this is going to get interesting moving forward, Scott. I, I, we already have, you know, phone addicts and tech addicts out there. I can't even imagine what this is going to launch us into, but Rockefellers have been talking about having, you know, augmented humans for a long time now. And that's that whole transhuman agenda, which yep. I've, I've worked with some of those scientists in my previous employment and life and they are creepy. They mm -hmm. would rather, they would rather see and have a relationship with a silicon being than they would with a biological being. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just who they are. It's, um, it's a very strange world that we're in where the tech has seen as such an accelerant to the betterment of humanity at any cost, quite frankly, and uh, rather stunning. And yet we, again, we have this breakaway and this bifurcation that's happening before us that is literally pulling people apart. Right. What do you see in, in your research? Are you seeing a rise in farmers markets, intentional communities, um, uh, cooperatives? Are you seeing an increase in that? Have you done any research in that place? I haven't looked into actual statistics on it. At one point I was starting to look into, I was curious to see if, uh, how many, you know, farms had been obliterated over the last couple of years and it, trying to remember, um, I wasn't, I wasn't finding the actual numbers that I wanted that I was specifically looking for. Um, but, but there was definitely, you know, a decrease happening there. But I don't believe it was, it wasn't as substantial as I thought it was going to be. Um, I don't know as far as, I would think farmer's markets are probably thriving right now, wouldn't you? And from what I can tell, they are. One of the big things I push on in this county by county model is the opportunity that we have with toxic lawns because we represent about 70 million growing acres in this nation of people just converting their lawns to small gardens. The challenge mm. and the real battle line on this are HOAs. And right. the HOAs could restrict and often forbid gardens. And so this mm -hmm. is kind of, this again ties us back to what? It ties us back to a 
you know, corporate control because they, they right. sell these as manicured spaces. You're really not owning your house. You are, you're just paying a, a reduced rent cost by having a debt mortgage on it. And then you, but you still don't have full rights to your land because they control it. Right. And so the, the HOA really is uh, to me, it's one of the big battlegrounds in all of this as we move forward in trying to retain a measure of sovereignty and at the center of sovereignty is going to be food. I would be really curious to see people leave some comments regarding the HOAs. If people, somebody made a comment in one of my posts about a week ago saying that they lived in an area that did restrict exactly what you're talking about. I wonder how, um, now I live in, I, I actually am under an HOA right now, but I'm in the process of moving and I just have a small townhome. And so I just have on the side of my house, I am allowed to grow vegetables, but you're absolutely right. That's definitely an area that's going to be targeted. And on top of that, we've got investors. So last year it was like one in seven homes that were sold were purchased by investors. And if you go in, uh, there's an article that the Washington Post did, who I normally do not read or follow, but they actually did a brilliant mapping system on there. Uh, I believe it was back in February and they showed 40 metropolitan areas with like a heat map showing from 10% up to 30% of homes that were purchased by investors. And so if you go into the city, you know, it, that's where it's heavy. And as it branches out to the suburbs, just like right on the outskirts, that's where it starts dropping down to 10%. And they're buying them up and they're converting them into rentals. So then you throw in your restrictions and your HOAs right on there. And yeah, and, and we already know they're working on the rezoning and everything with, um, you know, building developments, building smaller, more compact homes and uh, working toward the wonderful infrastructure, 1.2 trillion infrastructure bill being used to build up this smart grid control system. So, yeah, I mean, you look at all the pieces of this puzzle and how it's tying together and it's, it's moving in the direction we've all been talking about for five years, but we're seeing it come to life more and more by the week. And that's the key right there. It's moving at an unbelievable pace. They've, they've, they've laid the groundwork on this. Have you come across anybody in government or even in the, in the, I would, when I say leadership, we all have strong voices that are here, but we take that up a tier and we get into like the political movers and shakers. Have you come across mm -hmm. anybody that's openly talking about these sorts of things? Like, I, cause I haven't, that's why I'm asking. Cause I have not found anybody in any sort of political influence space or significant national influence space that is talking about the need to start growing food now, um, start saving seeds and getting stockpiling seeds. Now make sure they're heirloom or, or at least non-modified and to start taking on this fight to get your food independence back and avoid the the big, you know, this coming integration, because this is all fourth industrial revolution stuff. Right. And it just seems like everybody's bought into this. It's like, this is a great idea. The only difference between the two factions that I can find is that one faction, the current 
hand puppetry that's going on in our government is all about forcing everybody to do it under any circumstances. Mm -hmm. And the other faction is like, no, you don't have to force them, but we'll persuade them. And it's their choice. Right. And that seems to be the only defining difference between the two sides as we literally railroad off the cliff in this. Right. Well, you know, Congressman Thomas Massey is fantastic. He's been advocating for food independence forever. In fact, he there's a great video that he did um, where he's being interviewed on his property in Kentucky. It's about 35 minutes long. I would highly recommend if if people just search. Uh, let's see. I forget what it's called exactly. But if you search Thomas Massey, Kentucky farm off grid or something like that, you'll probably find it. And it's absolutely brilliant. He's completely disconnected from the grid with water and power and he's got cattle and he he does the um what what's it called again the membership oh um, uh, pma we were, private membership association no 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 no. the what we were just talking about before we started with the cattle how you have like multiple owners of the cattle that yeah farm share or or co-op one of the two yeah yeah the fight yeah and um, so it's, you know, and what he says is when he's in, uh, it's great because he talks, he walks across the farm, tells you about how he did different things and just, he built his own house from, you know, the timber on the land and all of it. And then he talks about what it's like then when he's spending six days in DC a week and how different it is and how no one in DC should be making any decisions for people on their land, growing food, or, you know, whether it's small scale, large scale, because they have no clue and they're trying to set all the rules. So outside of him, I, I mean, there could be others, but to be honest, I don't, I don't pay a whole heck of a lot of attention to the politicians, so to speak, because I'm always got my head buried in research on the overall agendas against humanity. And Something that's really important to point out is this whole report I did on the food industry and the vertical growing facilities, this is global. This is not just in the U.S. So whatever other country you're in, start looking it up. It's happening in your country as well. And that's when you know this is how they're moving. You know, this is their key playbook agenda. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I I don't know if you follow... Um, trying to see, I think it's the Arctic is it Ice Age Farmer. That's who it is. Ice Age Farmer on Telegram. He's another good one. Yeah, I've I've seen some of his posts uh, over on Telegram. And he's keeping track of a lot of this. And again, we're really looking at a lot of the aspects that are going on. And you said you're you're starting to dig in to a wider range of these agriculture subjects. Is that right? Yeah, I just because I feel like I've I've I understand where they're going with the meat and the produce, and I've covered that, but I want to dig a little more into the grain. And there's there's definitely going to be a tie-in here with the trains. I just, I've been paying attention over the years to who's buying up or, you know, top shareholders, uh, highest stake in, in the trains, which, of course, we know is Bill Gates is very involved there. And then... In addition to that, we've got the largest scale, you know, private uh, planes and airports for those. And we've got uh, Bezos and Gates and uh, Buffett involved in all of those. So, 
you start looking at the supply chain aspect of it and being able to move things, which is why when they said, oh, Union Pacific is cutting off, you know, they're going to reduce the fertilizer deliveries by 20%. And I'm looking at that and, and the shareholders, and then I look at the shareholders of uh, CF Holdings, isn't it? I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it was CF Holdings that was, is the biggest one that distributes that. And you got BlackRock and Vanguard right in bed with both of them. So this is all being manipulated. I mean, <laughs> to the average Joe who's not paying attention, they probably don't realize this and think this is all naturally occurring, but. <laughs> There's nothing naturally about that. There's a, another company, and I'll just throw it out to you to take a look at if you want to see that trend. And that's NetJets, N-E-T Jets. Hmm. Uh, NetJets is a, it's a lease a group so you can rent time on a jet and and uh, their aircraft fleet has exploded since COVID. And all of this has to do wow. with, you know, at least, so as an example, 20 hours on a net jet, I think is $250,000. So you, you buy a, a $250,000 card and they just announced that they picked up another, they've, they're adding 135 new jets. Oh my gosh. Okay, so their fleet is over 800 aircraft worldwide. If you have a NetJet and you account and you call to get a NetJet, you'll get a jet within 24 hours no matter where you are. And wow. so they they are kind of like the air taxi for the elite and they're exploding and again, what's all this about? And someone was asking the other day in chat, it's like how are these people moving about? Well, they're moving about through FBOs, flight-based operations. Mm-hmm. And so this is leading again to concentrate the people in the cities. Yeah. The rural areas become their elite playgrounds. They can fly around and do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. The They will, they will never eat the same stuff right. that they're feeding to the people because the people are their herd. That's right. And, and they will go on about. One thing I mentioned, we were, we were talking before the show and I just kind of want to highlight it here is some of the effects that, we're seeing in, in animals that are being fed on soy. And it's, I'm just highlighting it for your own research. When you, when you slaughter a pig yeah, and you, you uh, or eviscerate a pig and you open it up, the lard itself tends to be white and pretty firm. And, and obviously when it refrigerates, it gets really solid. But when you find an animal that's been fed on soy, it becomes a gelatinous mess and a completely different type of build in the body of the animal. And that in itself begs the question of people, what soy is doing to people's brains and bodies. And then a piece that I just recently played on a show was uh, talking about farmers and raising pigs and feeding them on this genetically modified field corn and discovering that their pigs are not reproducing now. So there's some really crazy stuff going on in this whole GMO thing. And again, I don't think any of this is accidental or coincidental. No. I, I think this is all by design to ultimately destroy the publicly available meat supply and force everybody into the acceptance. Yeah. Even in your own article, you talk, it talks in there somewhere about how the market was not growing enough. And now they're just, I mean, you may have written this, but they're just doubling down now to force people into this lab grown meat and uh, vegetable meat garbage that they're trying to feed people. Oh yeah. And they've already opened uh, upside foods 
lab-grown meat facility just launched in California, which of course is funded by Gates and Temasek Holdings and 37 other investors. Uh, there, you know, and Tyson's invested in this as well. So it didn't surprise me at all, you know, if they throw themselves, you know, under the bus for a short time in order to push agenda ahead by closing down their facility during COVID. Um, I, I could totally see their play back then. That didn't surprise me at all. So, yeah, it's uh, here. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's interesting to add to that, Corey, is that Tyson's, one of the plants that recently burned down was a Tyson plant. And as I presented on the show, and I don't have the hard proof to, to point to it, but that immediately smells of somebody taking an insurance payoff to facilitate by building a new facility that would be a lab-grown facility rather than raising real chickens. I mean, that, that's, that would be the, hmm. the hand puppetry that you would see. And it's, and it's just something that we have to look at because Tyson and there's others out there, these big producers are suddenly losing these meat packing plants or just food processing plants. We've had over 30 yeah. food processing plants burn spontaneously in the last six months. It's like, wow, I had no idea that potatoes and raw milk were so explosive. Yeah. yeah. And, and lettuce, right? Let's right. not forget that. Right. It's like suddenly, okay, oh my goodness, look what's happening. So yeah, I think Purdue uh, was one also, wasn't it? Yes. Purdue was another one. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, and, and, I know that um, I can't think of the date on this, but it was in the last, I want to say within the last year, maybe Cargill teamed up with uh, what are they called? Acquisitions Corp or something. They, they just purchased some massive, massive uh, poultry. I don't know if it was a plant. Sorry, I don't have my notes in front of me. I'm just thinking, yeah, as we're talking about this, I just, you know, when you know the players and you understand the end game, it's real easy to spot when something happens, you know exactly where it's coming from and what their next move is going to be. Absolutely. I don't know how much you've followed some of the um, research that's been done by Anons in a really good way. Another brand in this meat thing is this impossible meat. Have you heard about this? Oh, yeah. That has blood in it or something. Mm. Yeah, I covered them in a report about four years ago when I was talking about Whole, the takeover of the organic food market and Amazon and Whole Foods. Did you ever see the mapping that was done by location in relationship to Planned Parenthood? No, that I haven't seen. And any of these plants that you're looking at that are doing artificial meat, highly recommend you do that. There's usually two anomalies that pop up. Mm -hmm. Your two anomalies being a location to FedEx within very close distance and Planned Parenthood. Interesting. And they will not say how they develop the blood. They say it's beet juice, it's like whatever. <laughs> but they, we know that <laughs> it's, um, that they, we know for fact that there is, you know, these are growing these things and there's appears to be, um, it, uh, at least there is some of the research I've read implies that they are, is much more to growing this meat than just growing vegetables. Mm. So you might, check into that land parenthood huh so whoever mapped it i assume they mapped out like all the planned parenthoods in the area just to kind of see how often those you know was it a definite uh you know what i'm trying to say here <laughs> like if I, I will just say it this way that the ones that i saw planned parenthood was i could walk out the front door of their factory and walk across the street 
Interesting. I mean, and I'm not saying that's everywhere, but that was some really good research that was done about 18 months ago. I don't have it. And, and that was, but it's, um, I did read it and it was, it was eye opening enough to ask the question. Let's put right, it that right. Mm. Nothing's beyond these people. <laughs> Let's be. No, it's really not. It's really not. It's, you know, they're, they're disgusting. They have, they have, uh, they're, they're all eugenicists, you know, they've been working towards this for over a century. Um, it's been very well skillfully planned out and, uh, uh, it's awful because, you know, there's not that many of them in comparison to all of us, but they do, uh, they do control the majority of the money and, and, uh, it makes things a little tricky. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, as we kind of wrap this up, I guess two things to kind of close out. One, where are you going next with your research? And two, what do you see as kind of the opportunity here for people? Because this is a big deal, and it does feel disempowering, but I don't get the sense, even from your research, that you're feeling disempowered. No, well, I would definitely check out the article that P. Kennedy wrote uh, that I put on my site here with the um, finding sources of fresh food. I, you know, like I myself, I just bought... uh, and Excalibur food dehydrator. So, so one thing that I'm looking at is, well, you know, there's nothing more rewarding than growing your own food. And, you know, people are in small spaces. Some people don't have a lot of land, but there's a lot of things you can do um, in, in small spaces and, you know, work with your neighbors, work with your family and learn how to grow different things, how to dehydrate foods, how to jar, you know, make jams and preserve. And those are good skills to have. Um, No matter how things roll out down the road, I think that's an important skill we all should have had prior to this happening. You know, it's, it's terrible that it it came to this um, to kind of push us all in this direction. So I, I do think, uh, and then there are a lot of farmers out there that do provide heirloom seeds. So, you know, stick with those, pay attention to the, the brands that you're buying, uh, in grocery stores and obviously support, support the local farmers. As far as where I'm going, um, I'm actually working on, uh, it's been kind of a big collaboration, so it's taking some time, but I'm working on putting together a solution series with some other folks. Um, So I'm excited about that because it gets very daunting and exhausting digging into all this dark twisted stuff. (laughs) And I would like to provide some solutions and bring people on that have some fantastic ideas. So, uh, you know, I'll always be working on my articles and reports as well, but I really would like to move more into the whole solutions ends of end of things. That's awesome. That sounds really good. Well, Corey, we always end with a prayer. If it's okay with you, we'll do a prayer. Yes. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this time. We've come together and once again, just exploring the challenges that lie before us. And we learn most of all is that we have it within us to overcome these obstacles and these challenges and continue as we continue to assemble the truth and the understanding of the magnitude of what we face. So pray that you'll guide us and protect us in all that we do. Continue to open our eyes and develop our discernment as we step forward to walk that path that will lead us away from this enslavement and lead us to sovereignty. And we say these things in Christ Jesus name. Amen. Amen. 
I want to thank you very much for another great interview. Great work. Really is good work. And, and that article, again, on the vertical agriculture is huge. And congratulations again on your publication of your book. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We'll keep in touch. and really want to hear more about your work. So God bless and have a great day. Well, Patriots, that was Corey from Corey's Digs. If you don't follow her, please do. Her podcast is solid. Her writing is stellar. And she just gets into these topics that everyone needs to read and be aware of. Uh, this is um, a very critical time, obviously. And we can see how this insurgency is rolling out. The use of food as a weapon is not new. We've just never conceived of it being this coordinated on a global level. And sadly, as I've said many times, and it's, it's critical to, to grasp this, you have to ask and demand where every politician, where every influencer stands on this topic. If they're misinformed or not informed, then educate them or dump them. If a politician is not going to promote the idea of stopping GMOs, stopping this CRISPR-edited food, stopping the closure and actions of against small farms, then they don't get it. They shouldn't get elected. I mean, it's just that simple. We don't have a lot of hope or trust in our current election system because it's so rigged, and our current system is so deeply rigged by the big players. That's something else to keep in mind, and I'll get into this more in the coming shows, but I've talked a lot about, and I'm just going to kind of close with these thoughts, I've talked a lot about the what's going on in the stock market, get your money out into solid assets, that sort of thing. Again, that's my opinion. I'm not an investment advisor. But the critical issue to understand is when you're involved with the stock market, you're funding these types of insurgencies. You're funding the corporations that are driving the technologies. And all of this goes down to principally a misguided focus in our nation. Our nation is all about trying to make more money. That's what 401ks are about is how to ensure retirement so you have more money. The fundamental issue is we need to own the land, we need to pay off our debts, and we need to grow our food and get back to basics. And those are going to be the things that establish true sovereignty for the nation. If we don't do that, people are going to get sucked in. And by, when I say own the land, and I mean this, you need to start also looking at these HOAs. These HOAs are getting deeply pervasive. You're seeing them now not just in designed communities, but in, in these new rural community developments, whether you have one acre to two and a half acres. And they are dictating critical things and, and disallowing regular gardening or agriculture. So we have to get past all this. And it's the only way we're going to survive it. And it means a constant fight. And it once again brings the fight locally on top of all things. It's not just local in your county, but it's local in your community where you live. So thank you for being here tonight. It was a good interview with Corey. I appreciate everybody hanging on. It was a long interview, but a good one. And I hope you'll share this around. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Right now, we need a lot of prayers. A lot of prayers for discernment. A lot of prayers for people waking up. Because this is a very critical time that the regulations and rules are being used against us. And we have to understand what our true sense of liberty and sovereignty is and who gave it to us, which was God. We can't give it away.
God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time. God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable. And we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war.
we fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.